Welcome to HealthCast, the heartbeat of health IT. I'm your host, Melissa Harris. Have you or someone you know ever had a mental health emergency? One where maybe you turned to the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline? Or maybe you've had to find a mental health or substance abuse treatment facility? Well, behind the network of the country's substance use and mental health resources and aid is the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Administration, or SAMHSA. SAMHSA may not be the federal agency that everyone knows about, but it's one of the most critical to weaving mental health into our public health infrastructure. It provides block grants to states and local communities for mental health and substance use treatment, provides best practices and training resources for behavioral health professionals, and it partners with a variety of organizations that strive to help communities need. As we cap off our episodes for this year's Mental Health Awareness Month, we're going to learn more about the work SAMS is doing and how this organization is helping your communities. With me is the Acting Assistant Secretary for Mental Health and Substance Abuse, Tom Kudair. He's the first person in recovery to lead SAMHSA, and he really brings his experience and heart into SAMHSA's mission and activities. All right, Tom, thank you so much for joining us on HealthCast today. Thank you, Melissa, for having me. All right. Can you just start by going into your background a little, which is, you know, pretty notable. Personally and professionally, how has your experience informed your leadership at SAMHSA? Well, first, uh, you know, let me thank you for inviting SAMHSA to participate in this. Uh, I am currently the Acting Assistant Secretary for Mental Health and Substance Use, and this is the position of the person who leads SAMHSA. I'm also the regional administrator for HHS's Region 1, which encompasses the six New England states, Connecticut, Maine, Massachusetts, New Hampshire, Rhode Island, and Vermont. I still occupy this role I'm kind of on detail as the acting assistant secretary, so I expect to return to that role after I finish this interim appointment. We have a new assistant secretary who has been appointed and is currently going through the confirmation process. Her name is Miriam Delphin Rittman. Dr. Delphin Rittman is the mental health commissioner in Connecticut. Among other activities, uh, I represent SAMHSA in the national, regional, state, and local communities, and I connect with stakeholders and promote initiatives that advance behavioral health. I uh, also help engage some of our target populations. I'm not new to SAMHSA. I previously served as SAMHSA's chief of staff and a senior advisor to the administrator during the Obama administration. And these roles helped me understand the needs and the functions and the pace of a SAMHSA leader. I also, in addition to being the acting assistant secretary, am a person in long-term recovery. And for me, that means I haven't used alcohol or drugs since May 15th of 2003. So last weekend, I celebrated 18 years on this journey. and. What's significant about that is that the treatment I received back in 2003 was funded by SAMHSA block grant dollars, and the recovery support services I received post-treatment were funded by a SAMHSA discretionary grant program known as the Recovery Community Services Program. And so I credit SAMHSA-funded programs with saving my life, and that's kind of the lens at which I approach this, this job, too. People's lives depend on the work we do every single day, and that's not lost on me. Wow. 
first of all, congratulations for, um, you know, your recovery and for the progress you've made and how you've brought it into your position. Thank you. So, you know, that just brings me to my next question, which is about, you know, some of your leadership goals in the position you're in with SAMHSA. How has your experience sort of informed what some of your goals and orientation toward mission are? Well, I, you know, I have every intention of maintaining our agency's focus on a, a number of priorities. And given the challenges that are facing the nation, which, as you know, Melissa, have worsened with the COVID-19 pandemic, maintaining our operational momentum is, is crucial. One of the main things that SAMHSA does in helping our nation's communities manage substance use and mental health disorders is make sure that they have the resources they need. So we are expediting the awarding of the federal funding to those states and local communities and community-based organizations who deliver services. Throughout the pandemic, SAMHSA has been sending billions of dollars out. Uh, we received $4.25 billion in the COVID relief package that passed in December, and then another $3.5 billion in the American Rescue Plan that President Biden signed in March. So those resources are really helping us fulfill the mission of safeguarding and improving America's mental health. We're also continuing our fight against the nation's opioid crisis and the overdose epidemic, making it easier for practitioners to treat people who have opioid use disorder with evidence-based treatments, such as the three FDA-approved medications. To this end, we recently relaxed the training requirements for practitioners looking to treat up to 30 patients at a time. Likewise, we're continuing to connect people who have serious mental illness and children who have serious emotional disturbance with effective treatments and services at the community level. Examining the, the data and expanding resources in response to increases in stimulant use and overdose deaths are of a top priority for us at SAMHSA. And the activities and the outputs of the state opioid response grants that we have do just that. We also have a focus on children's mental health, including greater access to school-based services, especially as schools reopen after being closed for a long time. We know that those kids are coming back with whether they are mild or moderate types of mental health conditions. We need to make sure that they have the support that they need to succeed at school and, and make sure that those don't turn into something uh, more serious. And finally, I'll just mention our suicide prevention efforts, which we are strengthening, including expanding our zero suicide program and the PREVENTS initiative, uh, as well as helping facilitate the transition to the 2022 new suicide prevention uh, number, which is going to be 988. Our current suicide prevention lifeline is transitioning to this three-digit number. And that's a really exciting opportunity for us to build out crisis services in local communities so that when somebody calls that number, not only can they get a trained professional who can help them through whatever crisis they're in, but we also have the services on the ground. If we need to deploy people to help that individual, uh, we can do that as well. You were mentioning before about the COVID-19 impacts on the country's mental health. 
And SAMHSA has certainly played a big role, as you were talking about, in providing grant block funding and for doing training and just generally supporting communities throughout this time. So you mentioned, you know, how you're scaling up for 988 and are doing all these fantastic things to support the country through this moment. But can you possibly just go into what information SAMHSA has learned about the state of mental health in the country right now and, you know, how you're taking that funding that you've received to make the most impact to help right now? Sure. And and thanks for the question, because this is this is really at the heart of our work, and, and this has been a, such a difficult 18 months for folks uh, as they've dealt with the multiple stressors during the pandemic, isolation, the sickness from the pandemic, grief, job loss. People have had food instability and, of course, loss of routines. They've all devastated our country and communities and presented unprecedented challenges for behavioral health providers across the nation. Um, Right now, the U.S. is facing unprecedented levels of overdose deaths. CDC released, you know, they release figures on a monthly basis. And for the most recent figures we have up to September 2020, there's an estimated more than 90,000 overdose deaths that have occurred in in that year. Uh, The CDC has reported that American adults in June 2020 reported elevated levels of adverse mental health conditions, substance use, suicidal ideation, as two examples. Symptoms of anxiety were approximately three times those reported in the second quarter of 2019, 25% versus 8%. And those of depression were approximately four times that reported in the second quarter of 2019. 24% 24% versus 6.5%. Like I mentioned earlier, SAMHSA has been working tirelessly to make sure that resources approved by Congress and the president have gotten to American communities. We recently announced $3 billion in our substance abuse mental health block grant programs. You mentioned our block grant programs, Melissa. Those are the largest increases. They're really historic increases. $1.5 billion apiece for those two grant programs. I mean, this follows more than a year of sending crisis-related emergency funds to the states, uh, our territories, and tribes to help them address their population's substance and mental health-related needs. Um, the spending complements um, what we've been doing on the programmatic side. For example, at the start of the pandemic, uh, SAMHSA worked uh, very, very closely with federal partners such as the DEA and the Centers for Medicaid Services to relax regulations around telehealth services, um, especially as it relates to medication-assisted treatment. We got the coverage of a definition of telehealth to be expanded beyond video services to include phone-based services to help those who are living in rural areas who or people who may not have access to broadband to still be able to access behavioral health care. And similarly, we've enabled MAT prescribers to be able to provide take-home medications for patients whose recovery are stable enough and and warrant that kind of flexibility. So uh, through all of this, we've been trying to respond uh, nimbly and trying to be understanding of 
how to make sure that people continue to get the help that they need during these difficult times. Of course. And as we were sort of touching upon before too, the pandemic's impact on inflaming pre-existing crises in the country with mental health and substance abuse especially has been a big issue. And based on the heightened awareness around the country's mental health these days, what have been some lessons learned about how we as a nation need to weave mental health more so into public health efforts? Great question. SAMHSA has been focused on the behavioral health and the needs of the nation well before the pandemic. Of course, our mission is to reduce the impact of substance use and mental illness on America's communities. Uh, but the impact of COVID on mental health that I mentioned earlier unquestionably has made it more urgent, right, um, for the problems facing our nation. So the principles that help guide SAMHSA's mission include the understanding that evidence-based treatments work, the knowledge that good behavioral health is central to good overall health, the concept of parity, which places equal emphasis, you know, that um, physical and mental health should be treated equally. And that's been brought into sharper focus for the country during this pandemic. SAMHSA has been heartened to see behavioral health have such a prominent place in the in the new administration, the Biden-Harris administration's focus on building back better. We're happy to partner with the White House in implementing our policies and expediting funding, as I mentioned earlier, to America's communities. The importance of prevention uh, is something I also wanted to mention, and intervention, which includes harm reduction. That's also grown uh, in attention and function during the pandemic. People cannot be connected to treatment if they die from an overdose. So getting to folks, um, meeting them where they are, providing those intervention services and engagement services, even for people who are still using drugs, is really important. We're raising awareness about the benefits of using every opportunity to connect people to treatment. Uh, to that end, uh, SAMHSA made a recent announcement where our grantees can use grant dollars to purchase fentanyl test strips. And this will give people an opportunity to have conversations and make connections with people in the community who are using drugs and help them move along the stages of change uh, at their own pace, but uh, with help of peers and people who have been you know, in that same place as they were before. We obviously want people to be connected with evidence-based treatment options. And this gives us the opportunity to be able to have that conversation with folks. Of course. And we've been talking a lot in this conversation about the way you've been providing supplementary funding to states and, of course, the block grant programs to address mental health and substance use. So can you possibly provide some insight into what these partnerships with states and communities look like at SAMHSA level and how connecting federal and local efforts are important to improving the state of mental health and substance use in the country? Sure. Um, just to provide you know, a fuller picture, the supplemental funding we announced in March directed $1.65 billion 
in the substance abuse prevention and treatment block grant funding and 825 million in the community mental health services block grant funding to states and territories. In addition to that 2.5 billion, we also awarded 686 million to our certified community behavioral health clinic expansion grant program, also emergency grants to address mental and substance use disorders during COVID-18, what we call our emergency response COVID-19 grants, and supplements to the fiscal year 2020 emergency response COVID-19 grant recipients. Um, There were a few other programs that we funded around suicide prevention and the Child Traumatic Stress Network. SAMHSA has also provided uh, multi-state, multi-year funding through our block grants and through other grant programs for several years. And as part of the support for these grant programs, SAMHSA maintains a strong contact with state representatives, you know, our single state agency directors and our mental health commissioners. Uh, we partner with them through the grant implementation process. And uh, I should point out, since I, you know, my position of record is a regional administrator, SAMHSA has regional administrators in each of the 10 HHS regions throughout the country who are kind of our boots on the ground, and they provide this community-focused support, which is so important uh, when you're trying to develop partnerships at the state level. So we often talk about health and digital technologies on HealthCast, so I can't let you escape without talking about that a little bit. (laughs) Of course not. So what role have digital technologies and technology as a whole played in helping SAMHSA and its partners address the country's mental health crisis? Well, I mentioned uh, SAMHSA's work to redefine telehealth, you know, which uh, is really important uh, because, you know, as we, as we learned during the pandemic, the current definition in federal law wasn't, wasn't going to work for us, right? So we also we held virtual technical assistance and training workshops to help medical practitioners who were not used to relying on telehealth as a means to deliver care to their patients. These trainings were free and extremely well attended. Um, they actually they were packed, and we saw this explosion. I, I saw numbers which ranged anywhere from a thousand to two thousand percent increase in telehealth calls and utilization by patients during the pandemic. SAMHSA also promoted the use of virtual support meetings, gatherings that are traditionally attended in person by people to to help sustain their recovery. You know, people in recovery like me, oftentimes, you know, attend support meetings uh, for, for the rest of their lives. And these meetings are great supports for a lot of people. And we know, we knew that having social distance requirements which were needed to battle the coronavirus, um, we're going to prove a barrier for people who depend on these meetings and support. So for those who had the option and the comfort level, these virtual support meetings helped maintain access to that support uh, on, a, on, a, on a regular basis, which was great. Uh, SAMHSA also has been active in the digital app arena. Uh, you probably know this already, but for your listeners, we announced last year my mental health crisis plan an app that allows individuals who have a serious mental illness to create a plan to guide their treatment during a mental health crisis. This app was developed through our TA center, a 
called SMI Advisor, uh, which is a project funded by SAMHSA and administered by the American Psychiatric Association. And we know um, there are a lot of more a lot more apps and technologies that are being developed in this space and digital therapeutics uh, and the sort. And we're constantly working with with uh, folks on the ground to make sure that they have the best technologies and supports for their patients. So I also want to go into what SAMHSA's partnerships at the federal level look like. We talked about the state and local, but of course there are other organizations within the government and agencies like uh, the National Institute of Mental Health and the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services that are crucial to this all-of-government and all-of-community approach to mental health. So can you go into the role that partnerships with other federal agencies look like at the SAMHSA level, and perhaps some examples of how you collaborate? Sure. Um, Partnership is a key concept for this, and you're right that it requires more than government to help meet the needs of our our nation. Uh, A great example of this is seen in SAMHSA's ongoing partnership with the Community Anti-Drug Coalitions of America, or CADCA, as people know them. Substance abuse prevention is a significant part of our focus at SAMHSA and the full continuum of care to essentially prevent people from initiating the use and misuse of substances, especially focused on primary prevention and youth prevention. Um, Our partnership with CADCA is year-round, but it culminates every year in a prevention day event that entails you know, thousands of prevention professionals convening in Washington, D.C. for a day of information sharing and best practices, instruction, and a call to action. You know, I got to speak this year at the conference and, and provide that, that call to action. It really provides an opportunity for non-government professionals doing work of prevention at the community level to fellowship with their peers, to get refreshed for their respective work, and to get equipped with the latest data and strategies to help communities back home. Uh, so that's, a, that's an example that comes to mind around partnerships that's working uh, extremely well. So I just want to look toward the future as well. You know, we still have mountains beyond mountains to climb to get to a place of better mental health in this country. So what more could we be doing? We've already done a lot in providing more funding in emergency bills that have passed in recent time. But what role will SAMHSA play in the future of mental health as we continue to try to get better? And what does that role look like in your perspective? Well, one element that the pandemic has brought about has been the importance of people talking more about the importance of mental health and how the pandemic and its stressors have been affecting them or their loved ones. In recent years, we've heard an increasing amount of talk about the dangers of these negative public attitudes, or or as people call them, stigma, which are a huge barrier to people reaching out and getting the help that they need. One crucial element, and I'll reference parity here again, is helping people understand that the behavioral health challenges our nation confronts every day are often these chronic conditions that should not be perceived any differently from other chronic conditions, you know, like hypertension or diabetes and, and the like. So SAMHSA is helping the nation really coalesce around this principle of parity 
as it guides both our policies and the urgency with which we help the country. And it's a role that we take very seriously. So I think the more we can help people understand that their behavioral health is essential to their overall health, the better off we'll be as a country. And the more we'll be able to improve people's mental health. I know I've been watching you know, lately. It's interesting, uh, you know, being in this field for the last 15 years and, and watching the evolution of whether it's news stories on the topic or public conversations or social media or even advertising that I see. Um, you know, you can't turn on this TV without seeing, you know, a commercial, uh, you know, from a, you know, uh, the National Football League or, or some national organization talking about the importance of mental health. And I think that's really, you know, an example of how we as a country are coming together to really make this something that is all of our problem, that is not just a problem for that Samson needs to focus on, but it's, it's a challenge that we all take on as individuals, um, as community members, as family members, uh, and as the government, uh, and we work together to help solve it. Definitely. And I think that is a great way to sort of bring me to my last question, which is, you know, on this, the subject of Mental Health Awareness Month, and because it is this month, it's important to continue the dialogue around the awareness aspect. So just from the bottom of your heart, what is your message to listeners, both who struggle with mental health and who want to support their community and loved ones struggling with mental health? What parting messages do you want to give to them? Well, I'm so happy that you mentioned that you know, May is Mental Health Awareness Month. And you know, while you know, SAMHSA focuses on this 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, you know, many of the people who are working to safeguard and improve the nation's behavioral health have lived experience. And whether they're working through their own recoveries uh, or who have loved ones who have had their own challenges and victories, uh, many people who work in this space have direct knowledge of the dimensions of these conditions. And one set of people who work in the behavioral health in this role are, are peer counselors or recovery coaches, people who utilize their own recovery lessons to help connect other people to treatments that will help them. And you know, one of the things that I've been so impressed with is how how we've really seen the development of this peer leadership space where you have now recovery coaches in almost every healthcare setting, from emergency departments to doctor's offices to clinics to homeless shelters. And I've been, you know, I think that we nearly need to build, continue to build that workforce. I can't stress enough how important the work is of peers and how valuable they are in the areas of intervention, engagement, and getting people connected with treatment simply by using the power of their own story. You know, sitting on a bedside next to an individual who's suffering and, and, and may have just experienced an overdose or may have just experienced some type of mental health condition and saying, you know what, I was sitting on this bed myself a year ago or two years ago or three years ago. And now I've been able to get through it. I've been able to get to the other side. Let me show you how. Let me walk this journey with you. And I think that is so powerful 
It's something that the medical community can't do. It's something that the government can't do. It's something that just one individual who's been through that experience can walk another individual through. So during Mental Health Month, I think it's really a time for us to celebrate those peer leaders who have who are doing this work and to also put a call out for more people. SAMHSA did a workforce report last year, and we we indicated that about a million more of these peers are needed to really reach as many people that are in crisis uh, today. So I want to just ask everyone who is out there listening to help us encourage people to do this work, speak about your own journey, get involved in some way, shape, or form to help us advance the behavioral health of the nation. Thank you so much for that. I think, you know, empathy will lead to empowerment in getting over mental health illnesses and situations that people encounter. So those parting words are definitely so important. Of course. Thank you so much for your perspective and for your experience and work. I'm sure that you will continue to make a huge impact in this country and, you know, help us get to that better place. Well, thank you so much, Melissa. It's a pleasure being able to join you today. HealthCast is a production of Government CIO Media and Research. For more podcasts, head to governmentciomedia.com slash podcasts. HealthCast is produced by Amy Kluber, hosted by Melissa Harris and Adam Patterson. If you liked what you heard, let us know by leaving a review in iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening.